Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you're tired of the mega bank experience, and if you're with one of those banks, you know what I mean by that. If you're tired of uh, the automated phone calls and the uh, computer-generated voices and not being able to get to a live person, um, how about Renaissance Bank? I have found in my own experience that Renaissance is big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them, which is important, but they're small enough to deliver their services in a personal way. Go to renaissancebank.com and find one of their local offices and give them a call. You'll find real people answer the phone. I think you'll be glad that you got in touch. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Steve Fisher. Steve is a partner with Strategy Partners Group. Steve, welcome. Thank, thanks for having me, John. Yeah, thanks for being here. Let's talk a little bit about you and how you're serving folks through Strategy Partners Group. Sure. So Strategy Partners Group was uh, put together as a to be a single source of strategic and operational experts uh, that we would make available to organizations, uh, the business community, capital providers, uh, what have you. Um, the idea was by being a single point of contact, we can bring in a diverse set of services and uh, assist these companies to identify and overcome their operational and financial challenges. Um, with our help, uh, many of these companies um, have, have you know, uh, undergone tremendous growth and uh, increased shareholder value. Well, that's the bottom line right there for sure. Um, just to give people a sense of the business owners that are out there listening to this interview, a sense of like what, you do i mean do you come alongside someone they're already working with do you replace someone they're working with whether that's their cpa attorney whatever how, how does t- talk about where you fit in to their uh provider mix if you will sure um we're not really in the uh business of uh replacing anyone mm-hmm. we are definitely in support of folks i've been brought in for example by uh existing cfos to support uh their work Okay. Uh, oftentimes I'm brought in if there's some sort of enterprise event occurring. Uh, you know, these folks have a full-time job already, mm-hmm. uh, but there's something occurring <clears throat> that is of a, a large nature and they need someone in, you know, to, to help them who has an equivalent skill set mm-hmm. uh, that they do or has access to resources that uh, they know they don't. And, uh, and I can bring those resources to bear. Um, so that's, you know, when we say strategy partners, or I, I often say it's not just the, partners within my firm it's actually i'm partnering with my clients um and to to get the desired outcomes let's sidestep for a second talk about you and your journey um and how how you got to the point of uh uh banding together with a few partners to form your firm how to talk about that journey that got you to that point well in the in the way back machine um myself in particular i i took a little different route Uh, i actually um, began my professional career as an engineer Um, And so I turned that engineering uh, education into a multi-decade CFO career. And uh, if you think about 
that. I mean, obviously, most CFOs come out of the accounting finance background um, where I came out of engineering. But if but if you really think about the way an engineer thinks, he's a problem solver, forward looking, very detailed, structured, mm-hmm. um, process orientated. Uh, these are all characteristics that really benefit uh, the CE- CFO uh, chair mm. uh, in, in an organization. Now, so I did, you know, I, after several decades of, of being a W2 CFO, um, I then moved into consulting, I actually moved back into consulting. I was once a consultant back in my early 20s. Yep. Um, I like to joke, but now I'm back to consulting, but I actually have something to offer. <laughs> so, so um, you see That's these, tw- funny. You see like these 20 year old consultants out there thinking, well, have you seen anything? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, so now, I, you know, I did my own thing for a while. Um, and then came across a, a couple of other consultants and uh, we were talking and realized that we had a, a shared interest um, in, in specifically we had an interest around um, not only working with companies to help them in their growth, we had a particular expertise and desire to work in uh, M&A work, transaction work. Mm. Um, this was a, 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 an area that was we felt was underserved. Mm-hmm. Um, so while yes, we do we do offer extensive ongoing operational finance and uh, leadership and C suite level um, support as our bread and butter. Mm-hmm. I would suggest that we also have a an emphasis when requested to help in the um, in the transaction world. And if you think about it, John, when you're talking about um, businesses growing, mm-hmm. oftentimes a part of a of a structured growth plan is not only your organic growth, you know, leveraging the existing assets, um, but is, is if you want to make the quantum leaps in right. growth, you're, you're, you're acquiring somebody. Sure. Sure. And, and you've got to get yourself in a position to be able to do that. Right. So when you, when you, when you say transaction work, I think people automatically kind of default toward a, a deal quote unquote. Uh, but, but that deal really, it's years in the making in terms of getting yourself to a position to be able to do a deal. Right. Well, yes. I mean, it's, um, when we, we often talk about your, your hero people talk about positioning a business for exit. Right. Okay. And, and that's true. And there's a lot Mm -hmm. of work involved in that. Sure. There's also a lot of work involved in positioning a business to acquire some, (laughs) someone else. Right. Um, Capital providers are a little different. They, they're in the business of buying and selling companies. But a lot of uh, corporate companies, um, you know, they're, they're in the business of making XYZ widget and, or delivering ABC service, um, and they want to grow exponentially. So they're, they're looking to, let's say, acquire a competitor or, some, or move into a new area or whatever, and they have no expertise uh, in how to evaluate targets, mm-hmm. um, uh, look you know, where are the skeletons going to come? Where are the, where are the landmines in the deal? Uh, and that's where we come in as, as guys who have um, a few gray hairs and less of them than we once did <laughs> and, uh, and explain to them, you know, some of the things we've seen, some of the, um, some of the things that they'll want to watch for and, and help guide them through that process. But to your point, it's to be done successfully. It, it is a, it is a long process yeah. um, to execute a successful, you can execute any deal to make it a successful deal. It takes a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Steve Fisher's with us, folks. He is a partner with Strategy Partners Group. So let's talk about that, I guess, that ramp up, if you will, toward getting to a 
position into a position to be able to acquire. And, and part of that is getting to a certain revenue level. I mean, um, um, and let's talk about organic revenue breakthroughs. And when, when do I know that my revenue has stalled out? That may seem like an obvious question, right? But sometimes the most obvious questions have less obvious answers. So how, how do I know that I'm approaching that point? When you begin to see um, your, <clears throat> your bottom line and or your gross profit margin uh, begin to slow its growth mm. um, is where I would say, mm-hmm. as well as the top line revenue number, of course, begin to slow. Right. <clears throat> they don't all slow at the same rate, though. Mm-hmm. Um, what you end up finding is that businesses get to a point where they begin to operate less efficiently as they get bigger. Basically, you, you reach a point where your revenues, uh, they plateau, and it's time to make a large investment in your own business to go to the next revenue plateau. And so what's happened is you, you've, now, you've exhausted all the resources you have on hand. So you're doing $5 million a year, $10 million a year, whatever your revenue number is, and you can't do any more revenue without making an investment in your company. Maybe that's high. Maybe that's a new physical facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's uh, new staffing needs to be brought in. Uh, new systems need to be brought in. But you're staring at a. You're probably staring at some sort of a capital investment that mm. you have to make. All right. Um, and and then you're going to make that. You'll figure out how to figure out how to make that investment once you identify it. And then once you've made the investment, here's the great news. All it's going to do is if you execute it properly, you're going to bring yourself to a new level, and you're going to have to go through this whole process again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that is a big part of my business is, is helping owners identify, well, owners usually know when they're at that level, they just don't know what to do mm-hmm. at that point. Um, you know, what do I, what's the most effective, um, uh, investment for me to make, uh, they'll ask me. And then that's what we identify. And then now the second part of that is often, all right, well, if I need, if I need access to $10 million to do this, uh, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and right. that's where I, that's another part of the services I do say, well, okay, well, let's go through our options. So how do we, how do we get that kind of a, of, 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 of a capital in, infusion? And it may not be equity. It could be debt. It could be some combination of the two. It's whatever is needed uh, to, to provide the resources to the company. At the end of the day, I'm an asset manager. Just as you, just as people talk to their local, you know, their, their, their norm, their personal asset manager, let's say your financial advisor, I don't do that work. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, I'm almost doing that work on a business level. Yeah, for sure. So. Uh, for sure. But but the the idea of revenue growth, though, is it's not just getting bigger. It's providing more capital, right? And that's the cheapest form of capital you can get. Yes, uh, but it's what happens. Let's talk about revenue growth a little bit. Yeah. You can grow yourself out of business. Well, now that's true. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you on that. We've seen that so, many times, yes. right? Yes. And that's, and that, and that is, a, it's a result of a lot of things, but at the end of the day, it's a result of you not understanding the resources you need to develop or to, to generate that $1 of revenue, mm. not being, not keeping up with new technologies, mm. new efficiencies, new methodology is yep. in your business. Um, and you always have to be looking at that and you're always trying to make that gross profit margin, which is truly just a measure of your operational efficiency, uh, keeping that, uh, you know, improving that as you go. Um, but you will eventually, if you, you know, if you don't mind 
what your assets are in house, you're going to you're going to overuse those and tax them, and um, then you'll have a revenue stall or grow yourself out of business. And and the resources that it takes to add that dollar of revenue, whatever that set of resources are, changes over time, right? So you've got to be dynamic in terms of assessing that from from period to period, right? Oh yes, you're you're always monitoring that, and mm-hmm. and let's be let's be clear. A lot of these resources, it's more than just cash. In yeah, bank. it's obviously a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at your your physical uh, resources around your around your uh, your business, uh, and then you have to look at your people. Yeah, and that's huge. And yeah. that comes and that is where companies run into a lot of problems in getting back to getting back to uh, M and A work. Uh, your, your post acquisition integration phase. It's the people that uh, that often are often are a, a big stumbling block. Not that the people are the, pro- the problem. It's just that understanding the dynamics of what's going on there in a in an integration environment can cause problems. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about develop. You call you've got something called structured growth plans. Let's talk about what those are and how you develop them and implement them. Okay. Um, I recognize that unfortunately a lot of businesses don't really have a plan. Um, and if, and, and if they have something called a plan or they call a plan, it's insufficient in most cases. So let me take you, take you back a step. You know, as, as a consultant, I always end up asking at some point early in a relationship with a client, the consultant one-on-one question, you know, well, where do you, where do you want this business in five years? You know, and I'm only asking that question so I can get to the next question, which is uh, once the, once the owner tells me, I say, okay, then where do you have to be in six months? to be there. Hmm. And the answer to that question tells me or gives me a clue as to how much the owner has really thought about the minutia of what it's going to take to get where their, their quote, long-term goal is. Right. And this is where you find that oftentimes um, the firefighting has been going on. All the ta- all the tactical <laughs> thinking has been going on, and you know I'm worried about what I'm worried about what's going on next week. Yeah, and you're asking me what I'm going to be doing in six months right. to get to this five year goal. And as I say, you know, it's it's not me who said it; it's been said many times. Is if you you don't know where you want to go, you're probably not going to get there. Mm. And not only do you have to know where you want to go, you you have to have the the detailed plan of how to get there. Mm-hmm. That detailed plan is a structured growth plan. Mm. As I mentioned, I'm an engineer, right? Mm-hmm. So I so I want to see it light, laid out, timelines, metrics. Everything has to be measurable. I want to see the the plan of how do we how do we do the review of where we are on this on this plan. What's the plan to change? Because as anything else, plans change. But you've got to have the methodology in place, the meeting cadence, the review cadence in place to know when a change needs to be made, and then what resources need to be brought in to affect the change. Mm. Um, but at least. You have to have it spelled out, written down, and, um, and and not only the goals written down and the metrics written down, but as I mentioned, things like how we're going to measure our progress. Mm-hmm. And and you have to stick to that mm-hmm. plan. And that's hard for some businesses because they're in the firefighting mode. Right. Now I'm talking about strategic thinking, not sta- not tactical thinking. Mm-hmm. There's the difference. Yeah. yeah and, so, and so developing that plan is a big part of what I do. Got it. So what – what the 
when do I know I need to, 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 to do that with you? I mean, is it when my revenue has stalled? Is it when, is it, are there certain markers in my business, you know, as my business develops where I need to look at that and say, it's time to bring Steve in. There can be markers like the revenue stall, yeah. uh, gross profit margin stalling or decreasing. Right. Um, that can be that that can be it. But I'll tell you, John. I think I get oftentimes, you know, as I'm working with uh, business owners, very entrepreneurial people. Um, these are very intelligent people, driven. Mm-hmm. Um, they know they know what they don't know, mm. and um, and. And oftentimes, let's say they're looking at their business peer group and they're talking to their business peer group and they hear about, you know, Joe and a related business undertook some new enterprise and is knocking it out of the park or so he says. And, yeah. and they'll think to themselves, if I wanted to do that, I have no idea how to do that. Mm. And then they'll say, hey, Steve, can you can you and your partners come in here and do you have expertise in that? And, you know, should we? He'll say yes. And we'll be happy to help you uh, go into that. I mean, at the end of the day a great leader business owner uh, knows, you know, knows what they know and knows what they don't know. And uh, is, is smart enough to reach out and say, look, let me, let me go get some outside resources in here on a temporary basis to help me overcome this hurdle. And when it's time to uh, put together this, I bring you in and we're, we're, we're putting together this growth plan. Mm-hmm. What do I need to know? What do I need to be prepared to, to do uh i mean because it requires it's 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 a two-way street you bring a lot of expertise but i've got to bring something to the table too to help you do your work um as the business owner so what what do i need to be prepared what kind of conversations do i need to be prepared to have with you you have to well this goes back to what i said earlier is that it is truly a partnership between uh, you the business owner and me the uh the advisor Mm -hmm. um you have to be prepared for me to ask a lot of questions and it's particularly one in one in particular repeatedly, which is how does this help us get to the goal that we want that you said that you, you articulated to me, mm-hmm. everything we do in a structured growth plan, you have to, you as a business owner have to articulate why it's important to get us to that, to that step. Um, if it's not, it's noise, it's noise, which you can't afford to have in your, in your business world. Right. Mm. You, you, and, and so we spend a lot of time, asking, you know, when we're writing down these steps that we want to take, what are we accomplishing and how does this get us to our goal? And you have to be hyper-focused on that. Otherwise, again, you get into firefighting mode and you're, you're thinking the activity is the key and the activity is not the goal. The goal is whatever metric we want to hit or financial goal or whatever it is. Uh, the activity is not necessarily a good measure of our success in atta- obtaining that goal. Mm-hmm. But the activity is what you feel on a daily basis. Mm. Gotcha. So um, let's talk about delegation for a second, because that's often a impediment to growth. Um, why is it hard to delegate? I think that's some something of an obvious question, but it may not be. And what? how do I solve that problem? This is uh, a part of the personal, professional growth cycle of every individual. Mm. Um, entrepreneurial people, these these people who have these fantastic ideas, 
you know, delivering whatever service or product that they've come up with. Um, they most often have built that business by rolling up their sleeves, working crazy hours, living and breathing their business. Um, oftentimes it's, it's, a, it's effectively almost a higher priority than maybe some other things that should be a priority in their lives, uh, like family, et cetera. But that's the way these people are wired. Now, the problem with that is um, that causes typically a large, uh, a, a great growth rate initially. Uh, but then you get to a part, a point where things are coming up that are beyond your ability to control with your own two hands and with what's between your own ears. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so your initial instinct as this entrepreneurial person is, oh, I'll just work longer and I'll just do more. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but again, you get to a point where that's hard to do. Um, and so you, you delegate or you try to delegate. But you've never really delegated before, so you, this is a learning curve, right? Mm-hmm. So you delegate to to Joe, your your right hand guy, and he fails at something. What do you do? Well, unfortunately, the gut reaction is of the young entrepreneur is, well, I'll just do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> so, yep, yep. So that's muscle memory, yes, right? Yeah, because that's, that's what got you. That's what got you as far as you are today. Exactly. So you just do it. That cannot continue. You will, you will hamper again. You are a finite resource and this whole resource metric matrix we were speaking about earlier about resources available to the business. Mm-hmm. You are a finite resource. Um, so you have to learn to delegate effectively. Now, the other thing you run into is it's so hard to delegate because if you, if you haven't done it before, you either don't know how, or as I sometimes brutally honestly tell clients is because you don't trust Joe and they'll say, what? Joe's been with me for 20 years. You know, right. I, I, what do you mean? I don't trust Joe. Right. I said, well, no, you don't really trust him because if you trusted him, you would, you would give him this responsibility, mm-hmm. but it's not just give him responsibility and wash your hands and don't walk away. It's the old, uh, you know, trust, but verify Ronald Reagan thing. Yep. <laughs> so, so you have to have metrics in place or measures in place, uh, that you can, or follow up in place that there's a procedure to, to, follow up and, and just make sure that Joe's okay. And that you as the owner ha- are giving Joe all the assets he needs to succeed on your behalf. That skill, that's a learned skill that takes, that's hard to do. Um, at the end of the day, I think, you know, John, I think the entrepreneurial people are, are great for so many things, but they are usually very good at holding themselves accountable mm-hmm. because they know if, you know, the checking account is sufficient or not this month. Yep. Um, but they're usually very poor at holding other people accountable and, and, and being accountable is not a negative thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, it's just expressing clearly what the expectation is and making sure that if there's a, it's fair. Yeah. There's a, we've provided all the assets needed to obtain it. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that makes sense. So, um, another piece of, I guess, the, the growth and development of a lot of companies is is forming and building an effective board of directors. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how, when do I need a board if I don't already have one? When do I need a board? How do I build a board? Unless you're living in isolation, you have a board already. You have somebody that you – spouse, family – business friend, whatever, your golfing buddy, mm-hmm. you have a board. You have a board is a board is a, is a third party advisory uh, group of people. 
right. that you know meet on a, that that meet on a standard basis, um, and you communicate back and forth about the performance of the company, and um, and then they provide insights, etc. Basically, a not a permanent staff of consultants, but these are these are people much more closely related to the uh, or closely tied to the uh, outcome of the business, financial outcome of the business. Um, so you have a board already. Um, so I would suggest you do. Mm-hmm. Now, as you grow, that board, that board becomes more and more formal, and you had to have, have formal meetings, and you have formal responsibilities within the board. But I also have to tell you that a lot of times I look at companies that that especially younger companies that have boards, and actually I there's one I'm working with right now that um, they're a great company, um, but uh, I th- I suggested I was at a board meeting I was asked to present at their board meeting. And I did, and I actually, uh, at one point in the board meeting, I said, you know, so, you know, we've, we've explained to you what we've done on the company side and, you know, what we did last quarter and all that sort of thing. And I said, so, on the effect of, I want to give you, I want you to start thinking about what you're going to provide back to the company as far as expertise, contacts, whatever it is this company needs. And, and um, there was, there's, there was some, not a pause, but there was some, you could just tell it's not something that they had ever really considered. Right. That it's a two-way conversation, mm-hmm. a board meeting. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to be, to really get the most of it, it's not just hanging out and having lunch or, right. or whatever. There's work to be done on right. both sides. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that, and finding board members who really are engaged and want to be engaged with the business is incredibly valuable. How do I do that? How do I find those people? Well, it's not always your friends, right? And the way you get it is the way you the way you do it is you find them. It's very much like networking, right? It's it's um, talking to your your banker mm-hmm. and say, hey, hey, Bob, I need a. Um, you know, I really looking at my board the way it's um, who's on the board and the skill sets on my board. Mm-hmm. And by the way, John, this is something that you've got to do, right? You've got to you literally got to write down. Where are the holes in the skill sets on my board that I need to run a, a business? So you look at it and you say, "Gee, I got I have nobody with any kind of a legal background, and maybe that's important to me for my particular business." Right. Well, I need to go find a business attorney, let's say, or something like that. But I don't know anyone, so let me go to my banker, who probably knows someone, and you just start that way, and 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 going through your people you already trust or have some sort of relationship with, and try to once you identify these holes and skill sets um, that are on that are in the board you start filling them. Mm. Uh, but it's that first step that, that is the one you really have to give some thought to is how do I uh, identify the, uh, what's lacking on my board? Yeah. Steve Fisher's with us folks. Steve is a partner with strategy partners group. So let, let's talk about mergers and integration and what that, what what successful integration looks like in getting to that point because it's some it's a lot easier to uh uh plan and structure the deal than it is to put it all together right yes now now you're moving into an area that that's a particularly hot button issue for me okay um, uh, i i saw your eyebrows yeah, go up yes. on that one <laughs> backing up a minute is is i read it i read something a few years ago that just blew me away and that was from the Harvard business review. And they, they had some sort of a statistic, like um, over 60% of all M and A's fail or underperform. Mm. And I said, that's an indictment. That was brutal. Yeah. I read that. Yeah. So part of my practice and part of the reason this practice exists 
our, you know, we put this together is, is to address that and looking at why they fail or underperform, mm-hmm. which is a failure in my book, yep. um, is, you know, what, what's the, what are the causes of that? Well, so a lot of it is, can be on the front end. You didn't do your proper due diligence. Big one is you didn't lock up the, uh, you didn't lock up the intellectual capital that you needed. Uh, you let, you let somebody walk out the door that you didn't know was as valuable as they, they should have been. And, um, so focusing on that, we do a lot of that work too, helping companies identify those, uh, those, uh, potential risks, uh, before the deal closes. We do a lot of that work. Mm-hmm. Um, more to your point, the post acquisition integration, I repeatedly tell people, this is where great deals go to underperform is in the post acquisition integration. Mm. And this is particularly, um, important to me because at this point, somebody's already written the check. So, <laughs> right. so, so, right. so, you know, you've, you've written the $20 million check to buy this company or, mm-hmm. or what have you. And, and so, um, now you've got to make this new Christmas present of yours work. Mm-hmm. So where are the batteries? So, yep. um, and then you find out some pieces missing because you didn't lock up Bob in accounting yep. who actually had some sort of proprietary procedure he did. And nobody thought he was important enough to, to identify this and lock it up before he left. Right. Right. This, this kind of thing happened. So, but here you are. So now you got to quickly identify these holes and, and, um, and fill them. And here's the other problem you've got. Um, have you ever been in a, uh, in a merger environment uh, as a, as an employee who, whose company has ever been bought or anything like that? Me? Yes. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Oftentimes employees who are in that position who have been, who are, are the target company or the, the portfolio company mm-hmm. right after the acquisition, there's a lot of fear. Oh, come on. <laughs> so, <there's, laughs> so they're, they're worried about their job. Right. And that's all levels of, of from, from a, a, a executive management all the way down yep. to baseline staff. Right. Everybody's worried about getting shown the door. Yep. So while they're all worried about that, they're not necessarily all pulling, you know, rowing, you know, pulling the oars in the same direction as to where the new ownership wants to go. I'm shocked to hear that. <laughs> so, so this is where I, I alluded to it earlier, where personnel and identifying where you're going to run into these rough patches in, within your staffing uh, and, and trying to assuage those fears when, when, it's, when they're unfounded. And oftentimes they truly are unfounded. Uh, not every buyer is looking to, to you know, lay waste to the staff and, uh, you know, and rebuild the whole thing. That's not typically what they want to do. Many right. of them are just investing and they want to keep that expertise Mm-hmm. But if those people are running scared and don't don't know that the new ownership is um, really got their back because they don't know them, they don't know each other, they don't mm-hmm. have a 10, 15 year track record with them, right? Uh, that can cause a problem. So we do a lot of that type of work, and that involves executive coaching. Um, that involves I talked a lot about accountability earlier, developing true accountability sta- standards, um, treating people fairly, and communicating extremely clearly is the best way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Uh, some great words here uh, from Steve Fisher. Steve is with Strategy Partners Group. Uh, wow, I could go on and on, but we got to get you back to uh, dealing with your clients mm-hmm. and uh, uh, those that may want to talk to you further. Before I let you go, though, Steve, I, I really would be remiss if I didn't let you tell a success story one that helps illustrate the great work that you and your uh, team members are doing. Sure. Um, I want to talk to you about a, a, a one that just um, really hit, hit me near and dear to my heart that happened is I helped the gentleman. He was a, he was in partnership 
um, with an, with another uh, gentleman. They had a uh, they they still have a successful uh, flooring business, and um, he was he wanted to buy out the partner. He had all the uh, um, he had all the knowledge of running the company. Uh, he didn't have the cash to buy out the partner, so I helped him uh, with some some. Uh, with a really good banker uh, partner uh, that I work with here in town, uh, helped him obtain the financing needed to, to, to buy out his partner, very amicable buyout, no problems. Um, and then we began to work on improving his, uh, improving the performance, the ongoing financial operational performance of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's his. And, I, and if you think about that, John, you know, he now has a hundred percent investment in this business. It's his life. It's his work. He's supporting his family. He's very happy with it. Loves the work. Very great. Just a great guy. Mm-hmm. And every time I think about him, I think, you know, I helped in some small measure make that his business. Mm. And, wow. and and he's able to employ multiple people now. And they're all, you know, they're all getting paychecks. And it's it's just good. Wow. That's, well, what a great story. That's, uh, that's the uh, American dream mm-hmm. right there. Terrific. Steve Fisher, folks, with Strategy Partners Group. Steve, this has been terrific, and I can't imagine there aren't some folks that wouldn't want to be in touch. So let's tell them how they, that they can find you and maybe uh, engage with you. Sure. Uh, you can uh, find me on my website at strategypg.com. Uh, that you'll see myself. You'll see my partners. You'll see some of the, a lot of the services listed that we that we offer, and um, as well as our our corporate partners uh, mm-hmm. that are out there. We've got an extensive list of national corporate partners. You'd recognize a lot of the, a lot of those businesses that are out there mm-hmm. that have, uh, that we're very proud of the fact that have reached out to us and have wanted to partner with us in delivery of services. Um, that's a big feather in our cap. Uh, so you can go there. You can, you can email me at S Fisher at strategypg.com. I'll be happy. I answer all my emails. Mm-hmm. Um, you can call me 404-931-4430. And I'll be happy to take the call and, and talk to you. I, I work with clients, obviously, at the moment, primarily here in the Southeast. But I've worked with clients in California. And we we as a firm have worked with clients in D.C. and um, all over the country, Charlotte. Mm, and so, gotcha. so we're everywhere. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Steve Fisher with Strategy Partners Group. Steve, thanks so much for coming in. And congratulations on the great work you're doing. Uh, we're, we're delighted we could celebrate that work. Well, John, thanks for, thanks for having me. And, uh, and, and thanks for putting this platform together. Absolutely. Hey, folks, just a quick uh, reminder. If you are chock full of administrative tasks that are weighing you down and keeping you from spending time with your clients and your prospective clients and um, your employees. Uh, maybe you've got a bookkeeping issue. You've got um, uh, a Nike shoebox with a lot of receipts. That's your idea of great bookkeeping. You know, you know, you need to do better than that. Um, here's a suggestion for you: pick up the phone and call the team at Office Angels. They do fantastic work. I know this myself because they help me in my business. Um, they fly in, get the job done and fly out. And they do it on an ongoing or as needed basis. And what they do really is help restore the joy to your business. Um, they take off those, uh, uh, downer kind of tasks that someone needs to do and someone that, uh, 
someone needs to do it that's better than you are doing it. Um, and that's certainly true for me. So give them a call. 678-528-0500 and let them know that we sent you or go to officeangels.us if you're shy, but I suggest you just uh, give them a call. I think you'll be glad you did. And one, uh, two more quick reminders. Just wanted to let you know that I've got a book coming out later this year. It's called The Price and Value Journey, Raising Your Confidence, Your Value, and Your Prices Using the Generosity Mindset Method. Uh, PriceValueJourney.com is where you can go to find out more. Sign up to receive updates. It'll be out by the end of fall 2023. If you're a services provider and need help with your business development and your pricing, this might be the book for you. And I want to thank you, our audience, uh, our listeners. You are fantastic. You have um, supported us over these seven and a half years, and we're about to pass show number 700 because of you, and it's uh, uh, it's because of your support. We're grateful for you. Uh, continue to do what you've always done. Please share the show. If you've heard something here that uh, you think others ought to hear, please share it. Uh, please continue to support us on social media. Follow us if you're not already doing so, North Fulton BRX on all the major platforms. Um, and we're grateful to you because you help us fulfill our mission to be the voice of business in the North Fulton region. So for my guest, Steve Fisher, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.